Hey y'all, it's Rachel from Smarter Teaching, here to share a latte and give you all the tools you'll need to work smarter, not harder, in your classroom. Welcome, teachers, readers, fellow bibliophiles. It is a crazy, crazy time of year. Um, we went back home for two weeks in April, and I honestly feel like the first like week of April was taken up with this trip, and we've been home almost a month, and I feel feel like we're still not caught up from home leave. It's just been a super crazy time. Um, I finally, recently with some books that I finished in April, kicked myself over a hundred books on Goodreads. So, I mean, not this year, obviously, just, you know, over time. And I'm feeling great about that. I mean, I've obviously read more than a hundred books like in my entire life, but it's cool to track that. Like, since I've been using Goodreads, I've definitely read a hundred books. It feels important and noteworthy, but I realize in like the scheme of life, it's nonsense. Um, we, I said we took some home leave in April and there were a ton of movies available on the airplane that I was super interested in seeing. A Star is Born, Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, there were one or two kids movies I wanted to like thought would be cute to watch. There were so many movies available on the plane that I truly was interested in and I have no idea. I just could not get into any single one of them. So for like nine hours each on each flight, I just read instead. So I actually have three reviews for you this month. Um, For the Love by Jen Hatmaker, The Girl on the Train, and Dark Places. Um, And I'm going to get straight into those reviews for you. This month, I also read a second book by Jen Hatmaker, For the Love. The full title is For the Love, Fighting for Grace in a World of Impossible Standards. This book has an average of 4.1 stars on Goodreads, and it was first published in August 2015, and this is the full Goodreads review. The popular writer, blogger, and television personality reveals with humor and style how Jesus' extravagant grace is the key to dealing with life's biggest challenge, people. The majority of our joys, struggles, thrills, and heartbreaks relate to people, beginning first with ourselves and then the people we came from, married, birthed, live by, live for, go to church with, don't like, don't understand, fear, struggle with, compare ourselves to, and judge. People are the best and worst thing about the human life. Jen Hatmaker knows this all too well, and so she reveals how to practice kindness, grace, truthfulness, vision, and love to ourselves and those around us. By doing this, For the Love leads our generation to reimagine Jesus' grace as a way of life, and it does it in a funny yet profound manner that Christian readers will love. Along the way, Hatmaker shows readers how to reclaim their prophetic voices and become good news again to a hurting, polarized world. So the first book I finished in April was um, For the Love. I actually finished it just before our trip home, and I again, liked it. I was actually pretty surprised to find out that it was written after of, no, I'm sorry. It was written, um, before of Mess and Moxie. Um, I, when I was, uh, reading other reviews to prepare for this podcast, I was actually really surprised to see that overall people were either giving it one star generally, Obviously, there are exceptions to this. People were kind of either giving it one star or they were giving it like four or five star reviews, um, which I thought was sort of surprising, uh, especially considering that overall it still has four stars um, average. So obviously, I mean, Jen Hatmaker is a Christian writer. Again, we're talking about um, church. We're talking about being Christian. We're talking about Jesus. Um, 
I was surprised also in reading some other reviews that some people found her, um, for a Christian writer, some people felt like she wasn't really writing enough or uh, specifically enough about Jesus and the gospel. I mean, not that that's not important to me, but that's not 100% why I'm reading her book. So it's not, for me, that's not a make or break situation. I'm not feeling upset that her writing about Jesus is vague. And I didn't really find it to be that way. Um, Again, I laughed. She definitely has a lot of humor in her writing. Um, But her, in this book, she has an essay to her children, basically about like being their mom and parenting them and raising them. And I want to tell you all, I am pretty stoic. I don't really um, cry very often at movies. I don't really cry very often. Honestly, now I don't even really cry super often in funerals. I don't like to be emotional in public. I don't like, I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm really pretty stoic and pretty in control of my emotions. But I'm going to tell you all, this essay that she writes to her children about raising them and parenting them and being their mother, holy heck, if you are an emotional person, have some tissues ready. It was beautiful. And (laughs) like, it was, it was really, really lovely. Like she talks about how great her kids are and how she wants them to be like, always feeling good about themselves but not in an arrogant way just in like a self-assured way that like they know that their parents will always be there for them and their parents like she and her husband will always love them and they can't like do anything to break that their family bond and she's like the best thing I've ever done with my life is be your parent I mean it was truly lovely and it really got me (laughs) um however even though and she also And this um, book does some thank you notes, which are pretty funny, kind of like Jimmy Fallon's thank you notes. Um, Most of them are pretty funny. (laughs) Um, However, overall on the book, I would go three stars. So a little lower than the average on Goodreads. Um, I really, I liked the book. I really liked the idea of Jen Hatmaker, but for some reason, something about this book just didn't really jive for me. I think uh, part of it was that the book is um, talks about fighting for grace, and I didn't really feel like that theme connected throughout the book. I thought I liked the book, and I thought that all of her essays were funny and or poignant. I mean, I think that she I, I enjoy her writing, but it didn't really um, like I sort of felt like it was going to be reinvigorated uh, about like giving grace to like myself and to other people after reading this book. And that's not, I mean, I enjoyed the book, but that's not how I felt. Um, so I think for me that this book would only be three stars, but it was definitely a good book. And if nonfiction slash Christian writing is up your alley, then I would certainly suggest this to you. I also this month read The Girl on the Train by Paula Hawkins. This is a book that came out in 2015 and was also in 2016 turned into a movie with Emily Blunt. Uh, The book itself has an average of 3.9 stars on Goodreads and this is the Goodreads summary. Rachel catches the same commuter train every morning. She knows it will wait at the same signal each time overlooking a row of back gardens. She's even started to feel like she knows the people who live in one of the houses. Jess and Jason, she calls them. Their life, as she sees it, is perfect. If only Rachel could be that happy. And then she sees something shocking. 
It's only a minute until the train moves on, but it's enough. Now, everything has changed. Now, Rachel has a chance to become a part of the life she's only watched from afar. Now, they'll see. She's much more than just a girl on the train. Um, Another book I read while we were traveling in April was uh, The Girl on the Train. And, I mean, I enjoy a good mystery thriller. Um, It's not, like I said, I I feel like I review this (laughs) genre a lot. And every time I'm like, I don't really get into this that much. But I guess I do, actually. <laughs> um, but really, I was looking for books that I could download to my Kindle before we traveled so that I would have plenty of books to read while we were gone um, from the library. And this book was available, and I had been interested in it a while ago, and I was like, oh, fine, I'll read it now. So I read Girl on the Train while we were um, traveling. And I will say I totally bought who the bad guy was in the end but I had some pretty strong questions about like the whole premise of this book like are you telling me that no I mean really no one noticed that you didn't have a job and you were just riding the train like come on and I I don't know I just feel like (laughs) the main character Rachel is pretty freaking creepy like a pretty significant weirdo which is fine I mean life is full of weirdos but I don't know I just I didn't um to be honest I didn't super connect with any characters in this book and I enjoyed the book but definitely I would say maybe two-thirds ish of the way through I kind of just started reading to see if my own personal guess about who it was was right like I kind of didn't I just didn't feel super connected and I sort of what not was bored with the book but I just felt like things were popping up just to make the book be longer like I didn't feel like they were essential I wasn't surprised I just kind of felt like the author was writing to make the book a little bit longer, which I mean, maybe she needed to do and that's not really a big problem, but that's just how it felt to me. Um, I will say like my personal suspect suspect was totally not in the end who it was, which is fine. I'm never right. I always think it's some really random person (laughs) and I'm never right when I read mysteries. (laughs) Like I always get to the end and I'm like, whoa, that's so surprising. That's not who I thought it was at all. Um, but I, I just felt like the, some of the premises were a little shaky and I also, as a side note, wanted Rachel's roommate to be a stronger character. Like she does some pretty weird and not cool stuff to her roommate who really isn't even her friend, but was just doing her a favor and letting her live there. And I wish her friend had sort or I wish her roommate like sooner had been like, can you get your act together or get out of my house? Um, but it was, it started off for me like more stronger more strongly than it ended I didn't um dislike the book but like I said um I just sort of felt like towards the end it was just adding complications to make the book longer um but I did like it um I would maybe watch the movie like I don't feel super compelled I always feel like the book is better than the movie um with to be honest Harry Potter movies being like the pinnacle of book to a movie (laughs) um but I think that 
it's a fine book. It wasn't like I, I never felt like it was a chore to read it, even towards the end when I was sort of feeling like um, when I was feeling like it was just killing time. Even then, I, like when I was reading it on the plane, I never felt like, oh, God, just end this. So it, it, it is good if mystery slash thriller is your genre. I think it's likely that you'll enjoy this book. I enjoyed it. I just felt like it was a little bit too long, a little bit like they just added a little bit too much to it. Um, so I would say I would probably give it also about three stars. Like it wasn't bad, but it's not my favorite book. And the last book that I read and finished last month was Dark Places by Gillian Flynn. Um, this book has 3.9 stars average on Goodreads, and it was published in 2009. So the Goodreads summary for Dark Places is this. Libby Day was seven when her mother and two sisters were murdered in the Satan sacrifice of Kinnicky, Kansas. She survived and famously testified that her 15-year-old brother, Ben, was the killer. 25 years later, the Kill Club, a secret, secret society obsessed with notorious crimes, locates Libby and pumps her for details. They hope to discover proof that may free Ben. Libby hopes to turn a profit off her tragic history. She'll reconnect with the players from that night and report her findings to the club for a fee. As Libby's search takes her from shabby Missouri strip clubs to abandoned Oklahoma tourist towns, the unimaginable truth emerges, and Libby finds herself right back where she started, on the run from a killer. The final book that I read in April was Dark Places by Gillian Flynn, who also wrote Gone Girl. Um, and I read Gone Girl years ago like I think around the time it came out like when everybody was reading Gone Gone Girl and everybody was talking about it and I like remember really liking Gone Girl and so I thought that this book would be like a total no-brainer that I would really be into it from beginning to end and that I would totally um read it like in two seconds and (laughs) again I felt like it was really just okay like I I'm not trying to like bum anybody out this month I just like all of the books were really just fine like nothing about them was bad and nothing about them was exceptional um so I thought that I was going to feel a lot better about this book than I did um I I felt really frustrated by some of the supporting characters like I mean I love a good clean slightly positive ending and I realized that not every book is going to be that um and this book really wasn't um which I guess isn't super surprising because the main character Libby is like kind of dark and depressing to begin with so it sort of wouldn't really make sense for her to like end the story feeling like all of this closure and like becoming a really successful integrated human because (laughs) that's not like that's not really who she is and they establish that throughout the book and also she survived like the murder of her parents and her or her mom and her sisters and her in her own family home so I mean I kind of see I like I buy her as this like sort of flawed and depressed character like it makes sense to me it would I assume that everyone can overcome but like I totally get that like this like that would be a really seminal life event and it would it would be really hard to move past that to be a productive person. So it, it didn't feel uh, fake to me that she would sort of have a hard time holding a job and making friends and, and stuff like that. Aside from that, I felt like the mom was 
super, super frustrating to me. And I get that like people have all different types of demons. And I, th- I think that this book was really, um, you had a lot of characters in it who are like real people. Not that I want to read about like fairy tales all the time, but I also enjoy reading to escape and it would be cool <laughs> to be able to read about people, like not to read about people who are more competent humans. Like I was just frustrated by the mom. She was, um, I just like every time I was reading about her, every time they were narrating about her and like, or her sister, I was like, just be a freaking parent. Like, come on lady. I just felt frustrated, but would you like me to say the word frustrated again? Um, I just was unsatisfied by her as a character because i she just never, I felt like she didn't connect to her kids. She wasn't, she, I think that she was caring for them in the best way that she could given who she is as a character. But like I said, it was just frustrating to me that I just constantly wanted to be like, just step up and help your kids. Just step up and be a parent. Just step up and like do something about it. Um, but obviously had she done that, it sort of would have, it probably would have, uh, like altered the whole course of the book. So I get, I get why none of those things happened, but, um, I just, it's also, uh, I've found that since I've had children of my own, it's hard for me to read about, uh, to read or watch shows, um, with parents who like don't connect with their kids. Um, this is a total tangent, but my husband and I watch Homeland and there was a season of Homeland. I think it was the first one that we watched after we, our boys were born and it's, I can't remember what season it is now, but it's whatever season of Homeland when like Carrie's daughter is young and there's, I mean, she just routinely throughout this, throughout multiple episodes, like doesn't connect with her kid and, um, which makes sense. She like, the premise of this um, show is that she also has a like an, an important part is that she also has a mental illness. So she has this really hard time connecting with her kid, which does get resolved in subsequent seasons. But like there's an episode where her daughter is in the um, tub and she like thinks about drowning her daughter. And it's just, I mean, since I've had, I mean, those things were hard for me to watch before, but like since I've had kids of my own, it's just really hard for me to like, uh, be empathetic and connect to parents who don't connect with their kids. Um, And then also Ben, Libby's brother, who is accused of these murders, is very frustrating as well to me as a character because I just feel like throughout the book, I was like, just stand up for yourself, kid. Like, be like, not be a man because he wasn't a man. He was a kid. But still, I just want to be like, you don't have to let people treat you like that. You can just do your own thing. And I think that um, again, obviously like the whole, <laughs> the premise of the whole book relies on the fact that he is not going to do those things, <laughs> but I just felt like I wanted these characters to have more agency than they did. And it was frustrating that, um, they didn't have that level of agency. Um, but the book, again, I did not I never accurately select the killer. I did not accurately select the killer in this book either. Um, although I did sort of feel like the author, like, moderately copped out because they have more than one killer, um, and I think that, 
I mean, I think that it's all, it's all viable. It's all believable. Um, but it obviously was not who I suspected because if you'll recall, I am never right when I try to pick the suspect in a thriller or mystery. Um, so file that away. I'm, I'm never right, but uh, it was viable. Um, I felt like the people in the, um, like the people who ultimately were responsible for the crimes were like, I didn't read who it was and think, no, there's no way. Um, but I guess it was just sort of interesting. The book, the book was interesting. I didn't like it as much as I liked Gone Girl, but again, it was, um, it wasn't like a neat and tidy situation. Like I think a lot of the characters were flawed. They felt dependent rather than like independent and having their own agency um if you like Jillian Flynn as a writer I think you'll probably enjoy Dark Places um the average review on um Goodreads gives it almost four stars whereas I said personally I'd probably go a little closer to three um it didn't feel really like it was dragging on um I felt like um I I felt like the book was a reasonable length. Um, I didn't feel like it was too long. I didn't feel like it was too short. I didn't feel like I had questions at the end, which I've had sometimes with like a thriller mystery type book. Um, so I would definitely, if this is your genre, if you like Jillian Flynn, I would definitely suggest reading this book. I think you will enjoy it. And that's the last book I read during April. I will be back during in June with the books I read during May. Hopefully I'll finish Braving the Wilderness. It's been hard for me to get through that book, but hopefully I'll have Braving the Wilderness ready for you. And I'm also currently reading The Good Daughter, um, which is also, I suppose, a bit of a mystery, but there's no murder that I'm aware of so far. Um, So I will see you all on the third Thursday in June.